This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome to Fight IQ, presented by Rotowire. I'm Jake Letarski. I'm here with Sun Tzu and Chris Olson, subbing in for Sean, the sniper DFS. Uh, he took vacation, so you notice the guy here has a whole lot less hair. But I'm happy to be here with these guys. Chris, Joe, how are you guys doing? I am doing well, man. I, I really, I really feel bad for Sean. I mean, that is one harsh teacup ride, you know, and he pulled a muscle <laughs> uh, getting off the teacup ride. So mm-hmm. he is in recovery right now. So really do appreciate having the opportunity to work with you. And we're definitely going to catch up in Vegas at the Rotowire event. But like, yeah, this was great, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely ready to see Conor McGregor in action. And uh, yeah, I guess they're going to have to put the warning sign up at the teacup ride now just for Sean. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> Chris, how about you? How's it going? Well, I, as far as uh, teacup ride goes for me, I uh, I turn green on with all the spinny stuff, so uh, that's not for me. But uh, I, yeah, no, I, I'm doing good. I'm excited for the card. Me and uh, Jake were talking about it a little bit before we came on, but he, pretty solid top to bottom and uh, three five round fights. Even though there shouldn't be three five round fights, but uh, we'll get to talk about that when we get to it. But yeah, really intriguing DFS. Uh, matchups and also just as from a fan perspective should be exciting mm-hmm. too yeah, so. i was gonna say you gotta love it the ufc loads up these cards with so many fights just like preparing for cancellations and then when they yeah. don't happen here we go we have the treat and of course the special nate ds treatment he gets what he, what he wants but we'll get to that a little bit down the road here uh i guess we'll just take it from the top here like uh like you guys are used to here so we'll start with the heavyweight matchup here carlos felipe jake collier uh felipe 8700 7500 for collier on DraftKings. uh felipe minus 170 favorite 175 favorite comeback is plus 135 here uh i know the public seems like they're on the underdog here a lot uh what do you think about that joe yeah i mean i don't think first of all this is a high level fight um, it's, and it's a GPP fight is the way I see it, um, for DFS. Um, I have to say that I'm, I'm leaning with the public. Like I, I don't think all that much of Felipe and Jake Collier at least looked good in his last fight after getting, uh, you know, whipped by terrible Tom in, in 37 seconds, um, or whatever that was. Uh, uh so yeah, I mean, you know, some people that I respect got in really early on Collier and, and bet him at like plus 200. Um, so I think as a GPP play, I'm going to have some Collier. I'm probably not going to have too much Felipe, but like, give me Collier to get this done against a, you know, a fairly subpar opponent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think I'm with you on that one. It just, there's so many fighters here that, you, that I want to pay up for tough to justify the 8,700 on Felipe. And, uh, and yeah, so I'm going to roll with that too. I'll probably have a little more of the underdog. How about you, Chris? How do you see this? Yeah. Uh, regrettably because. He he's a dog. Everybody's gonna be on, and it's not one that I'm totally in love with. But I guess I go with him. Um, I, I I like like Joe said, he looked good in his last fight. Both these guys worked the body. I like uh, I like Collier's leg kicks. I think they worked very well against Volante. And you know, Felipe's not terrible. He just he has fast hands. But I mean, you think he came into the UFC with 
six fights, six uh, finishes, and now he hasn't finished anybody in the UFC. I think he's got three wins, no finishes. So um, I think he he just might be a guy where his finishing isn't going to translate at this level. And so then for 8,700, like you said, he, uh, you really can't have him. Um, it's a heavyweight fight, so heavyweight fights obviously finish more. And for that reason, Felipe could be a contrarian payup. He's probably not going to be very highly owned. But uh, yeah, I, I I just I just don't see him uh, getting this done here. At least at least not for the salary. I mean, I could see him winning like a seventy point decision, but we don't want that. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go Collier. I think he he showed uh, enough skills. I like his combination punching, and uh, you know he's going to at least get get some get some uh, cash money out of it with a victory. Mm-hmm. So I'll go Collier. Yeah, and the other thing is, you know, people think low-level heavyweights probably finishes GPP fights. You know, the odds to finish on this are only like plus one ten, so that, that's pretty low for a heavyweight. So, you know, maybe maybe you have to go against the grain a little bit there, and uh, uh, this could be a fade too. Um, although it's a lot of builds, I'm I'm like I'm liking the underdog at seventy five hundred. But let, let's move on here. We got a uh, lightweight matchup for Ferez Ziam against Luigi Vendramini. Um, DraftKings here has Ziam priced at 8,300, 7,900 for Vendermini, minus 140 favorites, so right in line there. And the comeback on Vendermini is plus 115. It seems like Vendermini's been getting a little bit of a steam. I kind of like when I laid out this show, I, you know, I look when I post the DraftKings article for the site at the beginning and I see what the odds were then and, and kind of compare them to what they are now. And, you know, he's got a little bit of money his way here. Are, are, are you with that, Chris? Yeah, I am. I think that, uh, you know, Vendramini will go for his takedowns when he feels like he can't uh, strike with whoever he's fighting. We saw that with Celestino Santos, where he, he didn't get a takedown, but he, he hopped on his back uh, standing, which is impressive uh, for a guy like that. I think that also, if you can back Zayam up, you can uh, put him in some compromising positions. Zayam is just kind of a, like he's okay everywhere. He's sort of a, a, a middling kickboxer in my view. He's been taken down eight times in his two UFC fights. So if Vendramini wants to, to go that route, um, obviously we know about in DraftKings how highly uh, wrestling and control time factors in now. So, um, I mean, you can you only have to look at uh, how many points uh, Dolizzi scored with that uh, that great performance last week to know that, uh, you know, you can you can really get some some nice scores if a guy just, uh, sticks to his opponent. So I think Vendramini can do at least that much. And um, as we saw in his last fight, uh, hands are not uh, out of the question either. So I'm taking Vendramini. Mm-hmm. Right on. How about you, Joe? Wow. I hate to really be boring. I mean, this is uh, probably one of be, going to be one of the most story conflicts, you know, between Italy and France in, in quite some time. Um, <laughs> I know what you're about to say. Open a book, go out. Um, but yeah, no, um, you know, I really do like the grappling upside. Both these are really young fighters. What, 24 and 25? Um, I don't know about Bulgarian top team, which is uh, ZM's uh, camp. Uh, kind of interesting. But I, I do like the grappling upside of Luigi. Um, you know, I do think this is going to be a reasonably good night for Italians, although we'll talk about that later. Um, so I'll, I'll take the upside. Um, I'll go with... Um, uh, you know, Luigi, and uh, I do think that this is a GPP fight, but uh, give me the Italian. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we're going to be three for three on this one. You know, I just looked in, at Vendramini, nine, his nine wins are all stoppages here. So there's some upside to that. And, you know, when they're similarly priced like this, again, it might be a spot I'll look to save a little bit of money so I can, you know, get some of those big favorites. And I mean, you know, we'll get to the Edwards Diaz, but at 9,500, you got to make some sacrifices here. And yeah, this is a very, a very live underdog here, I think. Uh, let's move on, though, to the featherweight matchup here between Chase Hooper and Steven Peterson. Hooper is 7,800 on DraftKings, Peterson 8,400. It's basically a pick em here. Peterson may be a slight favorite. Last time I checked the DK Sportsbook, minus 120 for Peterson, minus 105 for Hooper here. Uh, seems like maybe a little bit of line value on Hooper, but are, are, Joe, I'll go to you. Are you tempted to buy that at all? Not really. I mean, look, Ocho Peterson is the only fighter who missed weight. Uh, you know, what I want to believe is that because he missed by what, two and a half pounds that he probably just gave up at some point and didn't further deplete himself. Um, I've never been a chase Hooper guy. I think he was rushed. I mean, he's been really exposed. Um, you know, he's a one trick pony. He's long and limber and, you know, he's got a, he's got some jits, but I don't believe unless someone contradicts me that Peterson has ever been subbed. So if, I'm looking at Hooper as having a sole and single path to victory. Um, I honestly don't see how he wins this fight. Um, you know, Peterson scored 100 points in his last fight, albeit two years ago against Martin Bravo. Um, but I, I do think he's, you know, he's got more skills. He's got more ways to win. Um, he will get his takedowns. Um, as long as he does not do anything supremely stupid, I think he should get this win. What kind of value you got at 8.4? I'm not really sure. He has scored well in his wins, uh, 96 and 100, uh, but there only have been two of them uh, in the last five fights. Um, because of the takedowns, his floor isn't horrible, but at 8.4K, you know, you're not really looking at floor. You're looking for a win. So give me Peterson. I'm not sure where I'm going to be ownership-wise on DraftKings, but I do like Peterson here, and I'm not going to have a lot of Hooper. Mm -hmm. All right. How about you, Chris? Well, the question I would have uh, then about that is, do you think that Peterson goes for takedowns, being that that's the only place that uh, that uh, Chase Hooper wants this fight? You know, I think he will. I don't think he's too afraid of Hooper. I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't. You know, I don't. Maybe, but I I do think that like I picked Peterson officially because I think you kind of have to based on uh, what Chase Hooper has shown you, but. Talking about it a little bit before uh, we came on that one of these day one of these days Chase Hooper is going to show up and he's just going to be a lot better than he was in his last fight like that's just how it goes um, you can't pick based on that officially but it's just a hunch and and, and I think uh, Jake mentioned before we got on he he was training with Ben Askren right at his yeah. at his wrestling camp yeah they did a little uh, they did a funny video compilation where he goes to the wrestling camp Askren wrestling wrestling academy and he just keeps falling on his back and pulling people into his guard like oh yeah this is what you're supposed to do right yeah and he just over and over again and people are like what are you? they're just rolling through him it's just a you know funny jujitsu versus wrestler kind of deal well yeah. I got it on pretty good authority Chris that that was really a one shot deal like he did not really do an entire camp <laughs> yeah, yeah you know yeah. with, with yeah, Ben Askren yeah. that he still does you know his own little local solo camp uh, like combat sports and fitness never heard of it um yeah. you know so like I don't I wouldn't blow too much into that um you know when this guy is training at combat sports and fitness in some town in Washington that I can't even pronounce um yeah so yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm yeah, cut no, off no, of your pick. 
no, no, that, yeah, that's fair enough. This. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I just feel like Hooper's going to be under-owned here. But when he gets his game going, he can get score some points, you know, if he gets those takedowns. And if he gets the takedowns, I, I mean, you're, you're right. I, I, I did a little quick check for you. Peterson's never been subbed, uh, also mm-hmm. only stopped once. But um, but um, Hooper's a tough kid. You know, uh, Alex Caceres was was, be- was beating the tar out of him for about three rounds. He never he didn't relent. He's always going to be in there to look for his shots. And he doesn't actually need a finish here if he does get his wrestling game going mm-hmm. um, at that price. So I think I think Peterson's going to be a little too highly owned here. I I, I don't really see. Um, where he makes up the, I mean, it, it depends on who who's right, right? Like, I don't think he's going to go for a lot of wrestling because of the of Hooper stood off his back, and you do. And if he does, then yeah, he he can he can make that up. But if he doesn't, you know, it's going to be hard because I don't really see him knocking Chase Hooper out. And you know, again, <coughs> the, the the pick was Peterson officially, but I might have a little bit more Hooper just because of you know the leverage play and what he can do. When he gets going, so mm-hmm. yeah, you know, looking at this one, I, I'm surprising myself a little bit that I'm going to go with the two and four Peterson, but I think he's the play here. Uh, one Hooper's power doesn't really scare me yet. I know Chris mentioned maybe one day that it'll all come together. The guy's so young; he's got the, the you know the whole future ahead, all, all the ceiling in the world here. But right now, I mean, Peterson, you look at the numbers; he's a guy that's perfectly willing to get hit in order to land his own. He lands 4.65 significant strikes per minute, which is pretty high volume. He eats 5.89. So to me, I just kind of see him, you know, maybe walking, walking Hooper down as long as he can stay off his back and stay out of those dangerous situations. I mean, it's entirely possible Hooper, you know, will roll for, you know, leg locks and stuff like he has in the past here. But no, on the surface, I think the pick uh, for me as well, you know, I hate to be boring and go three for three, but the pick's got to be Peterson here for me. Uh, let's move on, though, to a lightweight matchup here. This was a uh, a late swap after Frank Camacho got into a car accident. Fortunately, uh, seems like he's okay. We've got Matt, the steamroller, Frivola, one of my favorite nicknames, taking on Terrence McKinney. Frivola, 8,900 on DraftKings. McKinney, 6,900, a late ad. Uh, we've got uh, the odds here are looking like uh, it's about minus 250 for Frivola, plus 195 for McKinney it opened around minus 300 for Frivola and they kind of came down a little bit here um but I don't know a lot of people are saying you know maybe Frivola you can't change his price after you uh you know after you initially add him to the player pool here is he basically the Manon Fioro of uh of this week Chris well it's not that drastic because there's not like a huge size advantage or anything but um yeah, I mean, he should probably win just because if you've never seen Terrence McKinney fight, he's just like uh, a whirling dervish of like teeth and arms, and he just comes out like literally. I I watched him in two fights, and he didn't. He never threw a kick that didn't result in him falling over. Now, one of those times he finished his opponent with it, so that was interesting. But um, I, the other thing about him too that's interesting is that he's actually a pretty good wrestler in his fight in the Contender Series. He wrestled Sean Woodson quite a bit and was winning that fight pretty handily. Uh, Woodson caught him with a flying knee. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, we've seen Frivola get sparked out, so you have to take that into account here um, because McKinney is going to come at him uh, really fast. But, I mean, this is like a week's notice, so if he can't do that – and, I mean, this guy's a one-round fighter anyway. Yep. Um, if, you, if you take it that into account the short notice – 
I mean, you got to have some McKinney. You got to you got to have a lot of this fight, period, because it's going to finish. Um, I got to go for Vola here. But uh, as you intimated, Jake, the whole world's going to be on for Vola. So maybe mm-hmm. some more McKinney would help out with the leverage. But, yeah. Um, I mean, you could do worse, I think, as a punt play, especially if you're looking at GPPs, just because, like you said, first-round fighter, he goes out there looking for those finishes. He fought a week ago for LFA and got the first-round knockout, like a week ago from today, and yeah. uh, and and he's got three straight first-round knockouts here. So, yeah, maybe, but uh, I, I'm pretty heavy on Frivola, too. Uh, you know, I do a survivor pool where you, you it's a knockout pool, basically. You pick any three fighters to win and uh Frivola is one of my three picks there uh what about you Joe what do you think about this one yeah I mean here's what's really interesting so going back to 2017 for McKinney and by the way he's got a great nickname too it's T-Rex W-R-E-C-K-S I really like that nickname if you go back his entire fight career to 2017 he has got maybe 12 minutes of ring time I mean he is truly a prototypical uh, well, actually, no, look, it looks like he got into round three once and round two once. But other than that, you know, 11 fights, nine of them finished in round one. So this guy does not have a lot of ring time. Um, taking this fight on short notice, one of the things that Frivola is good at is kind of weathering the storm. I mean, you could kind of beat on him all day. So I think the, the idea here is, you know, if you want to look at a little live betting, if maybe, you know, McKinney is really active and wins round one and you can get maybe better leverage on Frivola, you know, thinking that maybe McKinney is kind of just blown his wad is in the entire first round. You know, you got, you get a live bet down on Frivola. I'm going to be watching that, but I'm going to pick Frivola to win here. Um, you know, I like him. I like his, his, his grit. Um, you know, I like his toughness and uh, I think he is uh, going to come out victorious um, late finish. Um, I'm going to say, you know, maybe second, perhaps early third round when, you know, McKinney is totally gassed. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you there. I cannot wait for live betting one day in the state of Wisconsin. Our lawmakers got to get on that. That'll either be the best thing ever or just like the financial end of me, like a, <laughs> like the Joe Exotic. I'll never financially recover because I'll want to do it every time I know. Um, but let's move on, though, here. We got our first women's fight to discuss here. Uh, Penny Kianzid against Alexis Davis. Kianzid, 8,800 on DraftKings. Another pretty big price tag. Davis, 7,400. Uh, the betting odds here have it. Kianzid, minus 205. Davis, plus 160 here. Uh, you know, pretty steep odds to finish. Uh, I'll go to you, Joe. What do you think about this one? Okay, so uh, full disclosure, I have bet on Alexis Davis. I got her at plus 170. I missed plus 180 by five minutes, and that's what happens when you have a day job and you don't do this full time. Um, you know, I bet to win $1,000 on Alexis Davis in this fight. I think this is probably one of the worst lines on the card for betting. Um, I, I capped this at, at maybe a pick um, or Davis being a slight favorite. Like the way she looked in her last fight, um, Mazo was a, a, a good prospect. Uh, Davis, you know, won that fight everywhere. Um, she's got wrestling in her back pocket. She's fought much better competition. Uh, honestly, you know, I think Pansy had been kept around because she is cute. And, you know, the UFC kind of likes to have some cute fighters, um, you know, in their women's ranks. But I really do. And, and I get the age. You know, she's 36. And, you know, but look, look here's someone who's, who's gone, who goes back to the Round the Rousey era and who really fought the who's who and held her own. Um, she's got a really good floor in DraftKings. Um, I, and I, I do like her to win and I, I could even conceivably 
seeing see her getting the finish at 7.4K. But let's be honest. I like this fight more as a bet than I do for DraftKings. Um, but I do really think she can win. Um, I don't think she's at that big a disadvantage standing as people are going to say, oh, well, you know, Panny has got the striking edge standing. I don't see it as that huge an advantage. I do think Davis should do some wrestling because, I, I, you know, Panny has shown she's got a weakness on the ground and doesn't have a great get-up game. So this is my first bet that I made on this card, and I do like Davis a fair bet, and I think she could be a sneaky lower-owned play on mm -hmm. DraftKings. I would almost fade Panny. Like, you know, if you're doing 100 lineups, maybe 5% Panny, because I really don't see how she's going to score and how she's going to make make her salary. Um, you know, so give me uh, all the Alexis Davis. All right, right on, Joe. I, I do like the path to victory you outlined there for Alexis Davis, you know, kind of that wrestling, get that top control, similar to her return fight against Sabina Mazo when she was also a pretty big underdog here. So, yeah, I, I could definitely see that. And and the same thing, you know, at odds to finish plus 240 on this one, you know, maybe maybe not so much on DraftKings, but I, I, I do, I like what you outlined there. Uh, Chris, uh, are you with him? Yeah, I, I am, and uh, I, I thought this might be a departure point uh, uh, with at least one of you, but um, I agree. I agree with everything Joe said. I would add that um, she, uh, she being Alexis Davis, was really, uh, really very successful with the light kicks against Mazo, and I think that's really going to pay dividends here too, because uh, Panny's best strike is her jab, and we saw with. Uh, Barboza and and uh, Shane Burgos. You know, if you in order to throw the jab, you have to uh, plant on the front foot. So I think that uh, the leg kicks are really going to come in handy here. The other thing, uh, very much unlike Shane Burgos, uh, Penny Kianza doesn't have any power. I think she has uh, three stoppages by strikes in her entire career. So um, Alexis Davis should have no qualms about coming forward to uh, to land her shots, and that's how she fights anyway. She she like. Um, you know, bullies her way into the pocket. I think that it works here. Um, I actually like her for, for you know, a lot of points here. I, I think this could uh, potentially be a big one. And I don't think that Panny, even if she does win, scores uh, very highly. She keeps her head on the center line. She gets rocked in every fight, even the one she wins. Bechka Hea rocked her pretty hard. Uh, Sarge rocked her. Um, so, you know, and as Joe said, when you when you get her on her back, on her back, she doesn't really get up. So, all all, all things considered, I, I I think Davis is a really nice player. Seventy two, seventy two, and seventy nine is what Panny scored in her last three wins. So yeah. you're going to pay up over eight k for someone that hasn't broken ten x in her last three wins. Like I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Here, let's uh, let's keep it moving along. Here, we've got a uh, featherweight matchup here between Movsar Ivloev and Hakim Dewodu. Uh, Ivloev at ninety two hundred, Dewodu seven thousand on DraftKings. Ivloev uh, minus two forty favorite comeback on Dewodu is plus one ninety. Here, Chris, how do you see this one playing out? Yeah, it's an interesting fight. Um, I've always been pretty high on Dewodu. He he got kind of soured, I think, in the minds of a lot of people when uh, his UFC debut, he got caught with a counter shot and got subbed very quickly. Since then, hasn't lost a fight, has looked really good. Hasn't really been the finisher uh, that he was on the regional scene, but still fast, explosive, and powerful. Um, a good takedown defense, but hasn't really fought a, a good, committed, strong wrestler like Evloev. And the thing about Evloev is he, he'll just keep going. Like He'll shoot 12 times, 13 times, and he won't... He won't get tired. He's just uh, 
got the unlimited gas tank. So I really think that's going to be a lot for for uh, for Dawadu to handle here. I think it's a really interesting fight. I think Dawadu is live. We have seen Evloev in, in some compromising positions, um, both on the feet and on the ground. So that's interesting. But at the end of the day, I just think the pressure pace in wrestling is going to be too much. So I'm going Evloev. Yeah, I like the point you made about uh, the 85% takedown defense for Dawadu maybe being a little bit of a mirage because he hasn't quite faced someone committed to that. Uh, Evlo of 2.75 takedowns per 15 minutes of fight time. So I don't know. With that, something's going to definitely give there, but uh, I do have to lean towards a favorite in this one as well. How about you, Joe? Well, you know, Canadians, you know, at least know that you are going to get a win, but it's going to become in the form of Alexis Davis and not Hakeem. Dudu, um, <laughs> Dawa Dudu, uh, you know, look, uh, he's had a pretty soft schedule, um, you know, and in his wins, like, let's, let's look at his scoring. I will say he's cheap. And that is one reason why you might want to have some exposure to him, but 58, 69, 91, which was a good score. Although I don't know what his salary was when he scored that 91, um, guessing it was pretty high based on who he fought 71 and 62. So <laughs> <clears throat> I would agree with everything Chris said, except that he's powerful. <laughs> I mean, I don't see him as being powerful because he's, he hasn't been a finish a finisher in the UFC other than Ori, which is where he scored his 91 points uh, and got a knockdown. He hasn't had an, any other knockdowns, you know, um, among any of these other wins he's had. So I, you know, look, he's cheap. That's the best thing I could say. He's a 12-1-1 fighter who's cheap. But I think Canada's uh, hope of getting a win here is going to come in the form of Alexis Davis, and I'm going to go with the favorite. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just to add to the low-scoring comment there, I mean, he's on a five-fight winning streak, Dawadu, uh, but four of those have been decision, and three of them were of the split variety. So you're definitely uh, you're definitely on thin ice. You're going to sweat that one out for sure uh, if you can you know, keep this close and, and stay off his back here. Uh, let's go ahead and check out another women's fight, a flyweight matchup here between uh, Lauren Murphy and Joanne Calderwood. Uh, this one, you know, pretty even for the most part. Calderwood, 8,200 on DraftKings. Murphy, 8,000. Uh, Calderwood's minus 145. Comeback on Murphy, plus 25. I'm going to go to the women's MMA expert, Joe, first for the take on this one. Look, I, I like the backstory on lucky Lauren Murphy, but I do think that she has benefited from some interesting decisions. Um, you know, I thought Andrea, Andrea Lee clearly beat her. Um, you know, look, I mean, you, what you see is you see four straight wins against, eh, okay, opponents. Um, you know, at least in Mataferi and Lee, Mataferi always puts up a good fight. But I really do like JoJo's upside here. Um, you know, at 8.2K, you know, JoJo has got the capability. Look, she put up 108 points against Jessica I, who was what? One, two fights removed from, you know, uh, a title fight. Uh, so JoJo looked good in that last fight. Um, you know, she uh, she tends to score in her wins. I mean, her last three wins, 108, 96, and 89 drafting points. Um, she can definitely go the takedown route. Um, she's gotten one, one, two, three, one takedowns in her last uh, five fights. Um, so I really do think JoJo has got a bit of a class edge over Murphy. Murphy is gritty. Don't get me wrong. But if JoJo doesn't make any mistakes and sticks to her game plan, I think she could be a sneaky play um, at 8.2K with that 100-point upside. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, right up, right below the mean there, so it helps you create a little bit of free space there. How about you, Chris? What are you thinking? Yeah, I agree. I, I don't, I don't like th this idea that just she's going to be taken down and subbed automatically just because Jennifer Maya did it. I, I would wager that Jennifer Maya is one of the stronger uh, fighters in this division. I don't think Lauren Murphy is that strong. A thirty-seven percent takedown accuracy rate. I believe not that. Calderwood's defense rate is that good because it isn't. But, you know, we saw Jessica I, who's a pretty strong fighter in her own right, try, try to lean on her and take her down. She was using uh, that that clinch, that tie clinch effectively. She was uh, wrenching up the uh, overhook and all that good stuff. So I, I really think that uh, she keeps us on the feet. And if she does, you know, we've seen how highly she can score. We've seen how prolific she is with uh, with the striking and, because of that, I don't think like a 92 to 95 is really out of the question here if all she does is strike. Um, and, uh, you know, Lauren Murphy has been getting finishes lately, which is good and, and different for her. But she, she tends to stand in the pocket, uh, I think, a little bit too long. And, you know, uh, Calderwood with her kicks, I think, is going to beat the hands of Murphy pretty handily. So, yeah, I uh, – I like Murphy here, even though I think I saw some late money. I mean, I like uh, uh, no, scratch that. I like Calderwood here, even though I think I saw some late money come in on uh, on uh, Murphy. I think I think it's just uh, not not too much. Maybe from maybe I think Calderwood went from minus one sixty to minus one forty, I believe. Mm -hmm. But uh, that doesn't bother me. If I like a play, I like a play, and I think Calderwood is the play here. So that's the pick. Yeah. So when I was looking at this fight, I was thinking like Lauren Murphy, she seems to be the more physically imposing. And I almost like her to maybe get a takedown and to, to have control in the clinch. But again, looking back at the body of work for me, she might be kind of fighting above her league a little bit. You know, she's overperforming. And I think Calderwood, I, I love her body of work. Everyone that she's fought, she's not afraid to fight the best. She, you know, put off her, instead of wait for a title shot, she took that Jennifer Maya fight. I respect the heck out of that. And uh, yeah, I think I'm going to go with the slight favorite on this one because of the DraftKings upside too. But I also think, you know, she'll be able to eventually break those clinch situations and, and to out, out point her on the feet largely over the course of three rounds here. So, so that's the direction I'm going to go there. Uh, we have a couple more prelim fights here to take a look at. Uh, this is an interesting one. Um, we've got a light heavyweight matchup between Eric Anders and Darren Stewart. Anders 8,600, Stewart 7,600. Anders a uh, minus 150 favorite, Stewart comeback plus 120. My initial thoughts on this were Anders pretty much landed a big shot in the first fight and destroyed him. You looked at the numbers. He's got several takedowns in the first round, 43 significant strikes here. And then of course he landed that illegal knee here. So that's why we're running this one back here. Uh, Chris, I'll go to you first. How closely do you think this, uh, this looks to that first fight? Yeah, I, I, I had a whole big, big spiel about this and I also wrote it up in one of my articles this week on Rotowire. I think, that, I mean, it's always pretty crazy when you see, I think, uh, Darren Stewart closed as high as minus 190 in some places for the first fight, and now he's a small underdog uh, based on one shot, really. And if you go back and watch that fight, uh, Darren Stewart hurt him before he hurt Darren Stewart. Not as badly, but, uh, you know, he bloodied his nose, which forced that clinch situation and then the big shot. And I would add, too, that all three of those takedowns came after the big shot landed. Uh, Andrews failed on all his previous takedown attempts. So, I mean, you're really, you're really looking at uh, one big shot that changed the course of a fight, which fair enough, but I would ask two things. One, 
how often does Eric Anders do do that? Um, and two, um, have have we seen rematches in this in this sort, uh, you know, play out differently? And and I I thought of one right away, which was uh, Brazilian cowboy uh, cowboy Oliveira versus Tim Means. Remember, Tim Means was winning that fight handily, landed in I, what I believe was an illegal knee as well. And then uh, second fight, uh, Oliveira just manhandled him, destroyed him, submitted him. So um, the 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 difference between one fight and another can always can always uh, swing like that. So my attitude is, if I like Darren Stewart the first time, and I did, uh, there's no reason not to like him now. I think that Anders generally does struggle with guys who are faster than him, who can outwork him. Uh, he's more of a pressure counter striker. I think. Uh, Darren Stewart fits that mold pretty well, and I think that uh, that's going to have to weigh a little stronger here than one shot in a fight. So I'm going Darren Stewart. All right, going with the dog. How about you, Joe? What are you thinking on this uh, fight? Well, I'm glad we I'm glad we got a, a fight where we could disagree on. It's really interesting though your take, Chris, because I got into a, a little bit of a discussion about this with Brett Apley. Um, you know, uh, we did our creating Alpha Pod earlier, and he thinks the only reason that you should be taking Anders is because of how he looked in his last fight. And, you know, I looked a little bit deeper into the narrative and I like that, you know, Anders, you know, after the Jocko loss changed things up, like he was training at a no name camp. Now I don't know. And I should be more prepared. Um, I think he may, maybe it's fight ready. I don't want to misquote, but he went to a name camp, got real training partners. Um, you know, Again, aside from the narrative of the last fight, and I'm leaning towards him more because of that than because of the one punch that he landed against and the three takedowns that he landed against Stewart. Um, I just think he's more athletic. Uh, if he does, if he truly, you know, has better training partners, is training at a better camp, um, you know, he kind of realizes that he got what he could out of his small little camp in Alabama, um, and he can't just rely purely on athleticism. You know, he needs the training partners. He needs the discipline. He needs the coaches. So I like Anders here. I think this is a GPP fight for sure. And I will have some shares of Stewart. But I think Anders is a sneaky little play here who's probably not going to be highly owned on DraftKings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, for me, this one is like it's almost a pick em, even after watching that first fight, which is, you know, largely domination until the end here for me. So with it being with that, how I set the line in my head, I guess I go I lean towards the underdog a little bit, but I'm really, really torn on this one. I feel like if uh, if Stewart is able to was able to get out of that first round, Anders might have punched himself out a little bit. And then, you know, rounds two and three could have gone uh, a lot differently. But I wouldn't be shocked necessarily at all uh, if, if Anders was able to, uh, you know, get a finish in the first round in similar manner. But I guess on the record, I'll, I'll make the I'll make the Stewart pick officially here. Um, and then we can move on. I mean, you're right. Definitely GPP fight odds to finish are minus 130. So one you want to look at here. So let's head on over to the prelim finale. We've got a lightweight matchup between Drew Dober and Brad Riddell. Dober 8,500 on DraftKings. Riddell 7,700. Dober minus 155 favorite. Comeback on Riddell plus 125. Uh, Joe, I'll go right back to you here. What are you thinking about this one? Yeah, I mean, this is a really interesting fight because you got two really elite or semi-elite strikers, right? Um who did Duber, Dober, Duber, who did Dober lose to? Islam Makachev, a beast of a wrestler, and uh, Benil Dariush, one of the best uh, jiu-jitsu guys and perhaps future 
title challenger, you know, in the UFC. And, and between that, he's got wins against Reyes. Um, he's got an early knockout win against Haparis, um, and he and Hernandez. So he's got three knockout wins where he scored 107, 105, and 96. So I really like that. Now, Riddell, you know, it's pretty well known. He's the striking coach for City Kickboxing, which is the camp in New Zealand where Adesanya and others train, you know, teammate of Adesanya. Not a bad striker in his own right. I just don't think he's on the level of Drew Doberin. No offense to City Kickboxing, but they don't have anybody like Justin Gaethje there to train with. Uh, and that is, you know, one of Drew Dober's main training partners. So I do think there's some risk here at eight at 8.5K because if he doesn't get a finish, then, you know, we're not going to see a lot of takedowns on either side. And you're just going to have to rely on significant strikes, which I don't know is going to get you what you're looking for at 8.5K. So I see this as a GPP fight, though I do like Dober. I do think Dober can win by knockout. Um, but remember, if this fight goes to decision, uh, you're probably not going to get it's not going to be on optimal and you're probably not going to get 10 X. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. What about you, Chris? What are you thinking? Yeah, no, I agree with that certainly, but I'm, I'm actually picking Riddell here. I think, um, you know, he's, he's not a wrestler uh, for sure, but he does wrestle. He has takedowns in every one of his fights. Uh, one, but uh, one counts. Um, it's not the case anymore that you can just take Drew Dober down and beat him. We saw that with uh, Alexander Hernandez, but I think Riddell is more well-rounded. Um, I think he's, he's stronger. Uh, he'll probably be the stronger guy in the cage, would be my estimation. Um, and I like the fact that he throws in combination and has some power. Uh, Drew Dober still got that Muay Thai style, still just sort of stands in the pocket with his head on the center line. And I, I think that can, that can really hurt him here. I think, um, you know, it, it might not be too much longer that you get, uh, you get dog money on a guy like Brad Riddell. Hasn't lost in the UFC yet. Has always shown up. Uh, really did really struggle. Well, I wouldn't say struggle, but certainly dropped around to Alex da Silva. That was based on wrestling. We have seen Drew Dober wrestle before. Um, it's rare, and I don't think he would have that much of uh, of joy with it because again, I think Riddell is the stronger fighter, and uh, I just I just like getting a guy as skillful as Rudell at dog money. So uh, I'm going to have to put it down here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I expect this one to play out on the feet as well. I think ESPN knew they were going to put a banger here to try to get people to purchase the pay-per-view here. And I'm going to lean with Joe. I've got Dober by finish. I, I, I bet Dober would have been, you know, a much higher favorite, you know, if you weren't coming off the Makachev loss, I don't, I don't really, you know, I kind of tossed that out because Makachev could very well be a future champion in this division here, the way that he's going with the uh, with the tutelage that he's gotten, uh, you know, over at his camp with Khabib and everything. So I kind of throw that one out and I'm thinking about the Drew Dober. The one that's fresh in my mind is getting those those high scoring knockouts here. So I liked Dober by finish, um, possibly early for a big score. And he'll be a big part. You know, I'm not a huge, huge mass entry player, but he'll be a big part of the lineups that I do throw in on saturday here so let's jump ahead to the pay-per-view card we have got a fun opener here an interesting one this one got a little heated at weigh-ins today uh paul craig against jamal hill craig 
6,800 on DraftKings, so pretty dirt cheap. Jamal, Jamal Hill, 9,400. He's the second most expensive fighter on this entire card. Hill is about a minus 315 favorite, and the comeback on Craig is plus 240. Vegas loves this one to finish at minus 300. Chris, I'm going to start off with you here. Uh, how do you see this one? Yeah, the first of two binary fights on our favorite card, either one guy's going to get a takedown and probably a sub, or he's going to get knocked out. Um, when you talk about Jamal Hill, you always have to go back to the fact that Dar- Darko Stosic took him down six times in nine attempts. I think Darko Stosic is uh, quite a bit stronger than Paul Craig. Um, there actually was a little bit of narrative there, and I don't know if I'm stealing Joe Stunner here, that I, I think J- Jamal Jamal Hill said he broke his hand, and that's oh. why he let him take him down because he thought he could survive there. I don't know if I buy that entirely, hmm. but uh, it is what he said, I believe. Um, also, did some did some uh, little bit of research. And Jamal Hill's only a blue belt, so if he gets, I mean, belts don't always mean anything. A lot of guys train out of the gi uh, when they're doing MMA, but if 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 uh, if Paul Craig gets him down, you have to think the sub will be there. I tend to think that uh, Jamal Hill knocks him knocks him out before that happens. Um, like I said, binary fight, and you just heard you just heard the odds. It's probably going to finish. You're going to want to have shares of both. And honestly, I might just I might be a little heavier on Craig just because of the leverage. Because I think Jamal Hill is going to be the sweetheart here, and uh, for good reason. But uh, you know, Paul Craig has always has always has always been a dog in there. Has always you know gutted it out, gutted it out. The third round sub of. Uh, Kennedy and Juku, obviously the last second sub of a fight he was losing tremendously in uh, on Kalayev there. So, you know, he's going to fight for you, and uh, he's got a real path to victory. So that that could be enough uh, to get uh, to get some scarcity. But the official pick is uh, Jamal Hill. All right. Uh, so over to you, Joe. What do you think? Are you giving the dog much of a shot here? I think, look, we, we all know what Paul Craig is. I mean, he... He often, you know, it's it's he's done it enough so that you could say that it's a pattern where he snatches victory from the jaws of defeat. Um, you know, so you got to have shares of him for that reason. But I do think Jamal Hill is probably going to be the highest owned fighter on the slate. And that includes the two title fights and the other five round fight. I do think he, because of the inside the distance prop, um, you know, more I like him more for GPPs than I do for cash. But, uh, you know, you got to have some shares of Craig. When he wins, he puts up massive scores. Um, so you certainly have to take a stab. You know, at Craig, I mean, I, I like him, you know, as a GPP dog. Um, you know, going to mix him in with some of my – I like him more than Diaz. Let's put it that way. I like him. I think he's got a better chance uh, to win than Diaz does. So I would, you know, I would I would tend to use him uh, in the same way in GPPs. But give me uh, – you know, give me Jamal Hill to get the win, to get the win by finish. Mm-hmm. All right. So I'm going to use this opportunity to quick plug the Rotowire sports betting section here. We have compiled odds from four different sports books with a bunch of different props here. And my favorite thing is you can sort, you know, by most likely to get a round one finish or, you know, most likely to win by KO. So that helps if you maybe just put in a little DraftKings the other last minute and you want to get, you know, some high finishing, you know, probability guys. And of course, Hill is tops on the entire card uh, on all of those. Bet MGM has Jamal Hill plus 260 to win in round one. And they have him, let's see, they have him plus 110 to win by knockout. And that is, uh, you know, 
right up there with uh, you know Leon Edwards and, and Figgy is the best uh, marks on the card there. So uh, of course you get, you got to get some sort of piece here when you're mass entering. But this is the fight where I'm going to be the lone wolf on. I'm going to go Craig. You know the Stozik thing, the six the six uh, takedowns there. I think Craig's going to be able to get Hill to the ground here. If he mostly, I see the narrative going. Hill's going to maybe fight a little emotionally. There's been a little feud. You know, you could see it at weigh-ins today. He's going to kind of empty the tank looking for the finish. Craig will probably look bad in round one, and then he'll start to maybe try to put some of that wrestling on here. So I was the lone wolf on staff picks. I fully expect. I don't see anybody out there picking Craig, really. But uh, he's a guy that I'm going to use, you know, even if I only make five DraftKings lineups for for GPPs or whatever, I'll probably put him in like three of them and uh, hope to get it on the field because that's a really – you got to zig when people are zagging here if you want if you want a shot here. So – I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go, Craig. Fully aware that uh, you know I'm I'm the odd man out here. Um, but let's see here. Keep going on the pay per view card. Welterweight matchup: Damian Maya, Bilal Muhammad. Muhammad nine thousand. Maya seventy two hundred on DraftKings. Uh, Muhammad is a minus two thirty favorite. Comeback on Maya is plus one eighty. Uh, I believe it's Joe's turn. I'm gonna send it over. Uh, I'm gonna send it over to you and let us know what you think. So Maya by submission is plus 350. Um, this is the first leg of a three-fighter parlay that I'm betting that will pay over 15 to 1. Um, Maya by finish is plus 325. So there's no worse feeling when you lose a bet by a quarter. So I'm going to give up the quarter, and I'm going to use Maya by finish in my, my parlay. I think if Maya wins, that's how he wins. I would be very surprised if Maya won any type of decision. Yes, I get the age thing, but look, he's submitted far better fighters than Bilal Muhammad. And I have a lot of respect for Bilal Muhammad. I think he's, you know, a great guy. He's very personable. He's approachable on on uh, on mass media, on social media, sorry. Um, but I really do think that Maya has got at least one more fight in him. And his jujitsu is so good that if he gets your back, you know, you're you're pretty much finished. So I I'm gonna I like my here. I'm gonna play him uh, in my in the first leg of my parlay plus three twenty five by finish, not by sub, because the difference between by sub and by finish is only 0.25. Um, so I'm gonna play him Maya by sub. I think he's an interesting play on DraftKings. I don't think Muhammad is gonna score that well um, at his price point. I don't expect to have a lot of ownership of him. Um, just because he does not really finish people. And I don't think that he's going to be able to land enough significant strikes on Damian Maya, even in a win, to, to score well. So to me, it's it's Maya. I'll have a small taste of Bilal Muhammad, but give me Maya by sub. But by well, finish. By finish. Yeah, by finish. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, I, lo yeah. I love it. Uh, Joe and I are, are breaking the unanimous selections on the staff picks. I think I think he was the only one on Maya, and I was the only one on Craig. So, you know, getting some a little, a little uh, mixing it up a little bit. I like that. Uh, but Chris, I, I know you're you've you've been a Maya guy. Your heart's maybe with Maya, but uh, can you put him? Can you put the weight behind it here? Well, the first thing I got to say is, Joe, I, I think I think you just should eat the quarter on this one. But if Maya finishes with a head kick or something, I I, I would love to see it. So ground and pound, dude, ground and pound. I'm rooting for it, but <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't do that either. I know. Um, I know. Uh, yeah, no, I, I mean I can't do it. I, I actually in in my write up I said because um, you you look and guys with good takedown defense and and Bilal tracks as one of those. He's got an 85 percent takedown defense. Three fights, Kamar Usman, Tyron Woodley, 
Colby Covington 0 for 59. 0 for 59 combined. That That's stunning to me. I should point out that uh, one was a really blatant fence grab early in that Tyron Woodley fight. I mean, that could have been a really different result. Um, but a, a really blatant fence grab that wasn't called. And even if it was, it would have just been a point. I think when that happens, you should start the fighter on the ground. That doesn't happen. Uh, be as it may, I I can't um, I can't pick Maya here. I, I would love it if he won. I think he's just going to shoot, pull guard, shoot, pull guard, rinse and repeat. It's going to be pretty boring. Uh, Bilal might get some volume off. He might like sniff being a cash play for that reason. But um, otherwise, I I just don't like it. The the only the only way I play this fight uh, was, would be on FanDuel where they give you points for getting takedown stuff because, I mean, I was watching weigh-ins uh, primarily with an interest because of the size, and Maya is bigger. Um, that could play a role here. But, um, and again, it's, it's, it's one of those situations where no one, no one who is really committed to wrestling has really tried to take uh, Bilal Muhammad down, but I just don't see it. I'm rooting for it. But I don't see it. My my pick is uh, Bilal. I'll have some shares of Maya just in case it happens. Because if a guy I like and, and I don't pull for him doesn't feel right, so I got to have at least a couple shares. But uh, I got to pick Bilal on this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna lay the chalk with you here. I just you know Maya at 43 years old. You know, like maybe he's got one left. But uh, I, I just see Muhammad's going to outstrike him in a in a decision that goes the distance. So that's not super attractive for DraftKings. I'm a little intrigued by Joe's bet. I think if there's any way to uh, attack it, maybe it's that way because I don't really want to lay a minus two thirty on Muhammad, and and uh, you know I'd rather go for that big plus money thing. But I guess when it comes down to it, the pick for me is going to be Muhammad. The eighty five percent takedown defense, the age difference. Um, although the one thing is, you know, I've heard some people say the eighty five percent takedown defense has been built up against people that maybe aren't primarily wrestlers necessarily. So that's something to think about. And don't look, maybe don't look too far into that number, the size difference that Chris pointed out. I, I guess listening to this, it's maybe starting to pull me the other way, but you know, straight up, I got to go Muhammad with this pick here. Uh, but let's go ahead and move on to a five round non-title fight. Uh, you know, the, Nate Diaz getting the Nate Diaz treatment here, uh, except for the fact that he's got to face a killer in Leon Edwards. Edwards is the most expensive fighter on the card at 9,500. Diaz 6,700. Edwards at minus 560. Uh, Diaz at plus 385. Edwards, of course, is you know one of my. That, that's a no-brainer survivor pick for that one. I'll just like carry my pick to next week here. Um, but I, I'm going to go over to Chris first. Is, is it as much of a no-brainer here as I'm thinking? Yeah, I think that it is. Um, I think that uh, Edwards is going to do a lot of the same things that uh, Jorge Masvidal was able to do. He's quick, and he's got a great kicking game. And we saw just the havoc that that wreaked on Diaz. I think this is going to be a lot of the same thing. What I do like about uh, Nate Diaz, especially since he's come back, um, and, I mean, he goes away a lot, but I'm referring to everything Anthony Pettis fight and after, is – he really pushes pushes the pace now. He really uh, tries to, you know, bear down his opponents, uh, grapple him a little bit. But I think, but I think uh, Leon Edwards is going to be the wrestler here. I think he's going to get his takedowns. And as good as we've seen, we saw Nate Diaz off his back. We remember, you know, the double finger triangle and uh, all that good stuff. But uh, you know, when uh, when it, when decent jujitsu players put him on. Uh, 
his back, he doesn't really do much these days, uh, Masvidal included there. So I think I think Edwards is the play here. I don't think this fight finishes just because of how tough Nate Diaz is. But um, I think that Edwards is going to have a party. He's going to be able to do pretty much anything he wants just because of that speed difference, I think, and, uh, mm-hmm. and the kicking game. So... Yeah, I think uh, Edwards is going to be able to put up a lot of volume in five rounds and uh, makes him viable even at the price. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if Diaz invites him, you know, in, into into his guard, I could see Edwards just raining down the elbows and maybe somehow finding a way to get his oppage here, but that's tough here. Uh, Joe, do you got anything to add on this one? Or are we pretty yeah, a, a little bit. I mean, the, you know, there are types of matchups for Edwards that where I would not want to play him at a high price on DraftKings. Because, you know, he has not scored super well um, in his in his DraftKings tenure. You know, he's got a, you know, he's got a 99 against Dos Anjos. He's got a 103 against Sabata. Um, but really, those are the only, you know, he's only had one 100-point fight, you know, in all of his uh, victories in his UFC tenure. However, this is not one of those fights. Like, Diaz will pressure him. And I think that plays into Edwards' game because I think Edwards can take him down. He's not afraid of, of his jujitsu, of Nate Diaz's jujitsu. I think he could take him down. I think he's got a hand speed advantage. We all know about the scar tissue narrative on Diaz. And once he gets opened up and starts bleeding, it's for that reason. If I thought Diaz was more of a counter puncher and he was going to play kind of a cat and mouse game, you know, I would sort of be with you, Chris, on the decision, but I think it's not in his DNA to play that way. He is a he is a take three to give one type of fighter, Dave Diaz. So the second leg of my 15 to one parlay is Leon Edwards by finish. Oh my um, goodness. Yeah, by knockout, uh, more by finish. I can't remember how I played it, but um, you know, I, I might have played it just simply by by finish, but this is the second leg of my 15 to one parlay. And for that reason, I do think Leon Edwards is very viable in cash and viable in GPPs. Um, You know, 9.5 K, I think there's enough value on this card and we will kind of approach that value in the next two fights. What's the, what is the actual price on that? The Edwards uh, by finish. Uh, Edwards by finish. Okay. Or by Uh, KO, however you played it. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I've got it at at plus 100 from points bet, but Probably very, that's one that probably varies a decent amount. Let's see on on DraftKings, uh, Edwards by finish. Where are we? I think it was like, wow, here we go. Okay, so Edwards by finish, fight props. Edwards by KO is plus 130. Right. Edwards by wow. finish, um, is. Plus one twenty. So you're essentially losing. I mean, I mean that 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 actually surprises me. A, a guy who doesn't get finished, but you know, I don't mm-hmm. know. I guess people just figure it's five rounds and Edwards is a lot better. Which yeah, I it's, get. Five, it's five rounds and the scar tissue and the bleeding and mm-hmm. you know, look, it, it could be stopped by the ref for you know for cuts. I mean, he doesn't have to knock oh, them out. Okay, yeah. yeah I, I was going to say a doctor stoppage counts as a finish. Right. right? It does. Yeah. I I wasn't thinking of the the Jorge Masvidal fight as a finish. Yeah, it was. 
Oh yeah, okay, that's yeah. fair. Enough. I'm glad you brought up the whole scar tissue narrative. I had one bullet point underneath, like my notes for this show. It just said all it says is Nate Diaz bleeds. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wanted to make sure that we hit on that narrative eventually, because I don't know. I, I think Arizona is relatively re well respected in terms of athletic commission, and you know Nate Diaz is always down to continue no matter how covered in blood he is. But at some point, a doctor might step in here. So, all right, Leon Edwards across the board here. We're all in agreement that there. I'd I'd be shocked. I mean, you, you might see some casuals uh, up on Nate Diaz a little bit, but uh, and he's getting probably a good amount of public money, but I just don't see any way that he pulls it off. As, uh, and Chris and I were talking before the show, like, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to root for Nate Diaz and and hope for a miracle happening. I don't know. I just, you know, the guy's been around so long and I've been a fan, but just, you know, logically, I don't I don't think he can do it here. Well, I, let me let me ask Joe, is is this time for the the uh, double stack uh, everywhere in cash, too? Or do you no. think the finish comes so quickly? Because Diaz is cheap. He is going to throw a lot of strikes. Look, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's a good question. I I will tell you right now, I'm not stacking because I, I like I like a dog coming up. So because I like a dog coming up, I I, I you know I'm not stacking. But I would I would probably feel more comfortable stacking the next fight. You know, uh, Figgy mm -hmm. and and Moreno. But, uh, I, I, you know, look, I, I do think this can end early. Um, and I don't think that Diaz is going to tag Edwards enough. Like, do you know he scored 99 points, Diaz, in a, in a five-round decision loss against Conor McGregor? And mm -hmm. Conor McGregor, like, was not going to try to take him down because he got subbed, right? So he was purposely – it was a stand-up fight, right? And McGregor's never been really a takedown guy anyway. But I don't think Edwards is afraid of, you know – being taken down or, or, you know, will take down Diaz himself. Um, so I really don't know. Like, it's an interesting thought, Chris, but I would probably, if you were asking me which one of the five round fights would I be more comfortable stacking, it would probably be the next one. All right. Yeah. Let's jump right into that one. Davison Figueiredo, Brandon Moreno, Figueiredo 9,100 on DraftKings, uh, Moreno 7,100. Cheaper guy, Figueiredo minus 225, uh, plus 175 is the comeback on Moreno. And then uh, odds to finish. Vegas actually likes this one to finish. Minus 125. Last one I checked. I think this is uh, you're up first. You like stacking this fight, Joe? Uh, well, I'm not going to mm -hmm. stack, but if you were going to stack, I would think that this could be a stackable fight. I believe I did pick Figgy in the staff picks, right? Uh, I, think yes. I, I think I picked Figgy. Mm -hmm. um, I, I I do like, I am going to have a lot of Moreno. I will say that at, at his price point. Um, and I will, I will tell you this. I'm going to have a lot of the two underdogs in the title fights paired together. Uh, because I think that opens up a world of possibilities. Um, but I, I think you should use Moreno here because he could just wear Figueroa down. Figueroa did make championship weight at 125, but he was one of the last fighters to weigh in. 40 right? seconds left before yeah. the two-hour mark. He, he snuck in there and got with the hoop and made yeah. his mark. So what does that tell you? That tells you he drained himself to make weight, right? Mm -hmm. He never um, looks good on the scales, though. No, really. he never does. And, you know, like five rounds, if, if Moreno takes him into deep waters, I think this could get interesting. I really do. So I would not discount the possibility of a Moreno win, um, but Figueroa was such a beast. Um, I could see him kind of going out there and, and you know, you're playing Figueroa by finish and and Moreno by decision. I think that's the way you look at this fight. And at Moreno's salary, I think he's, he's you know, he, it opens up a lot of possibilities. Mm -hmm. 
All right, I'll go over to Chris. I know you picked Moreno the first time around here, and uh, surprised me with how close it ended up being. Um, are you going to stick with your with that go- those guns here? Well, yeah. As with the Darren Stewart fight, I guess I'm just a loyal kind of guy because I'm going back to Brandon Moreno. Um, it's funny. I, I picked I picked uh, Alex Perez against uh, Figueredo. That ended when uh, Alex Perez left his neck out there. So I so I reasoned that Moreno has a lot of the same skills, except that he's better at jujitsu, so that wouldn't happen. So then we got the draw, and now we're back here. I just think that um, the couple things about the first fight, the, I think the speed of Moreno was really giving Figueroa problems at some point. Points to the to the extent where he would uh, throw a jab, Figueroa would try to respond with a big looping counter, and then. Figueroa would counter the counter. Like there were times where I legitimately thought he was going to get him out of there just because he was teeing off on him so heavy. Um, didn't work out. Both these guys are really tough. But the other thing I like is the wrestling of of Moreno here. He, he basically got a takedown whenever he wanted it uh, with with that lateral drop there. And uh, I really think that he can he can do that again. I think that um, you know it, it didn't end up manifesting itself um, last time. But you have to believe that. If he wrestles with him enough, he can wear on him. And, you know, this weight cut seemed especially bad. So we'll have to see if if, if that bears fruit. I, I, I would like to see Moreno push his advantage more when he has it. I think that when he, he gets going on strikes, he should really try to unload because you don't want to see the, the momentum back to Figueredo because he just hits too hard. But I think that we saw – Moreno really take a lot of those shots super well. Was never really rocked in the fight. Was never really stumbled that we saw. Um, and look, if Figueredo's not going to finish him, even though it didn't happen last time, I got to go with Moreno just because he's got more tools. He's the quicker guy. He's not going to get subbed. Uh, I, I think uh, he's good enough to take care of himself on the ground. So, yeah, I, I have to go back to uh, to the to – the, uh, to the, to the well. man, I'm going Brandon Moreno. All right, yeah. I don't have a ton to add on this one. I will go with the champion. I think uh, the power and you know overall athleticism I give to the edge of the champion, it's amazing to me that no matter how bad he looks on the scales, and he looks bad every single time, his cardio still always holds up in these later rounds, and, and he still continues to be the aggressor, and maybe even try some offensive wrestling late there because he's capable of a sub as well. I like Figueiredo better than Izzy, who we'll get to in a second as far as like better DraftKings play just because I like the the chances of a finish. I think he can get it done possibly by finish, but even if not, it, it'll be a pretty high scoring affair here. So um, I didn't, I wasn't too torn on this one. I'm rolling with the champ here. Uh, one more title fight though, to discuss main event, Israel Adesanya, Marvin Vittori. Adesanya is 9,300 on DraftKings, Vittori 6,900. Uh, minus 275 favorite is Adesanya and the comeback on Vittori is plus 215. This is one that our staff picks was actually split right down the middle on, and I was pretty surprised on that one. I won't say who picked two. I'll let you guys take it, but uh, I'll, I'll take it on over to Chris here to start. Yeah, that kind of surprised me too. The first thing is uh, that I agree with Izzy 100% on is, you know, people are making uh, Vittori chiefly, but people in general are making way too much of that first fight. That wasn't a split decision. Uh, Adesanya won that fight, and he did it primarily – by stuffing most of the takedowns, uh, Vittori got his takedowns late. But also, uh, Vittori has that sort of swarming boxing style 
that's perfect for a guy like Adesanya because he can just step back and counter you. And he did often. And I think he does it again here. Um, I like the fact that Vittori is going to push a pace, going to try to make him uncomfortable. I think that's what you have to try to do to Adesanya. But I just think that he's going to leave himself too open. I think this is going to look a lot more like the Robert Whitaker fight than the Jan Blakovich fight. Um, and I don't think the wrestling is good enough. Uh, uh, Vittori's had a lot of wrestling practice. He just came off um, however many however many that was uh, in his last fight. I think eleven. Was, eleven. 11. <laughs> I was going to say at least ten. But um, look, I, I don't I don't think we we should say um, Jan Blakovich got him down. Therefore, Marvin Vittori will. Uh, Jan Blagovic is extremely strong, even for light heavyweight. Um, not only does can he get takedowns, nobody can take him down. Nobody takes him down in that division. Um, Luke Rockhold wasn't able to do it. Corey Anderson wasn't able to do it. Uh, I don't think uh, Marvin Torrey is going to take down Adesanya here. I actually like this fight to finish a little bit more than I do the Nate Diaz fight. I think it's I think it's pretty likely that Vittori walks on to something. I don't think Izzy's going to mess around here. I think he knows exactly what he has to do, and uh, my pick is out of sign. All right, uh, so over to you, Joe. Yeah, so look, I am picking Marvin Vittori not because of the first fight. Um, I I like his floor on DraftKings, for one. Um, even in his losses, he puts up decent points because of wrestling. Um, your points are well taken. Uh, his style is not is fairly conducive to a counter puncher. Um, although I feel that Vittori striking has gotten a lot better. I mean, training at King's MA with Master Rafael Cadero, who is a, you know, first and foremost, a striker himself. Um, his striking has gotten a lot better. And I could certainly see him giving Izzy some problems with his pressure, especially if you look at the amount of strikes, you know, he's thrown. And at 6.9K, I mean, if you look at the points he's put up in his last few fights um, and having that floor, um, I really, you know, I don't like Adesanya. I, would I be surprised if he wins? Obviously not. I just don't think he's going to score and get unoptimal, right? And for that reason, I like Vittori. I think, he's got an, I think he's got a chance to win. And I really like him much, much better as a DraftKings play at 6.9K. He opens up a world of possibilities. And he has a relatively safe floor. I don't think Izzy is going to finish him. And again, I think he's made some improvements at Kings. So, you know, and I honestly, look, I, I faded Izzy in almost every one of his fights, um, you know, and, and it finally paid off for me against uh, Jan. Um, so I think this is going to be 2-0 and and fading Izzy. Um, but I will have a few shares of Izzy in case he does something out of character and actually finishes Marvin and scores some solid points um, at his price. But I really do like Marvin a lot more. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. So I look at the Jan fight and to me, I mean, it was a, it's a middleweight basically fighting pretty close to a heavyweight. You know, there's probably what it is you weigh in at like, uh, it, was, it was like 200 pounds for the light heavyweight fight. Yeah. You know, so there's a 30, 40 pound difference in that fight. So of course, Jan was able to kind of toss him around a little bit. What really impressed me is that Jan, you know, outlanded him in terms of striking, but I'm not putting too much weight in that because, again, totally different weight classes. I got to imagine that, you know, that with 20 pounds different in weight class, that's one of the hardest classes to, uh, you know, to cross over to. And then, you know, and I'll and I'll backtrack. You know, if, if Adesanya was coming off 
finishes against Paulo Costa and, you know, he finished Robert Whitaker, you know, just looking absolutely amazing in those fights. Um, you know, his, his number would be even wider here. So I'm sticking to the champion in this one. I think that, you know, Joe, I was with you too, for the longest time. I was, I always faded Izzy. I faded him against Romero and, you know, like the worst fight ever. And, you know, I faded him against Whitaker. I faded him against Costa. And, you know, it kept burning me uh, to that point where I finally realized, especially after he finished Costa and made him just look terrible, just awful, and cost Costa someone. I mean, like, if Costa and Vittori were fighting, I'd probably pick Costa. So I, I'm going to stick to the champ on this one here and uh, and not think too much about it. You know, some exposure on DraftKings if you can, but I, I want to find a way to get Edwards and Figgy in my lineups here, so that doesn't leave a whole lot of room for Izzy. Um, so yeah, so that's what we'll kind of, we'll kind of end on that. But, uh, I do want to say that it is time for hot takes. If anyone wants to throw a fire take here in the chat, uh, we'll go around the horn first and I'll, I'll read anybody else that, uh, has stuck with us this long and, and, and wants to participate here. So I guess I went to Chris first for the main event. So, uh, Joe, let's hear, let's hear some fire. Yeah. So I purposely, I gave you the first two legs of my 15 to one parlay. So I'm going to give you the third leg now. So just to recap, I got Maya by finish at plus 325. I got Edwards by finish at plus 120. And I got Jamal Hill by TKO, by knockout, at minus, by knockout, TKO, or DQ at minus 125. So th those three will pay you 15.83 or 15.83 to one. So I, I intend on playing that to win 2,000. Um, that's my hot take. All right. I got I've got one that will probably straight contradict that, but we're going to go over to Chris first. I am going to say that Darren Stewart pulls a complete 180. He finishes, he finishes Eric Anders this time. Wow. Yeah. All right, right, right on. Okay, so mine, you can probably guess it from my my slightly outrageous pick earlier on. You know, I picked Paul Craig in that first one. I, I just very much see this fight. You know, he'll punch, going for the fences not getting the job done, and then Craig starting to take over in the late, later rounds. I've got Paul Craig by third-round submission. Uh, I saw I saw Craig by submission is plus 505, and Craig in round three is plus 1,600. I don't know how you guys play that together. Uh, I, I don't have quite as much experience up here in Wisconsin, but look, if you, you play those together, looking at about 100 to 1, something like that, so something crazy, and I know it's crazy. But uh, I think if there's a path to victory, it's a late submission. Could be in the second round, but why not take the third round and the huge, huge plus money? Don't hate it. All right. Um, so I'm not seeing much for hot takes and chat, so I guess we can uh, we can wrap this one up. Man, it was really a pleasure doing this with you guys. I had a great time. Um, hey, it was great. It was fantastic. Awesome. Thanks so much for stepping in. Really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah let's make this kind of a regular event. Like maybe one of us rotates out every, you know, four or five pay-per-views and you jump in. and. Oh, I, I thought you were going to suggest just canceling Sean. I was like, wait. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, can't, I mean, look, he's got a pulled muscle from the teacup. He'll be he'll be all recovered by by the next pay-per-view. But, yeah, maybe we just, you know, every fourth or, you know, pay-per-view or so, one of us rotates out and let, uh, you know, have Big Jake come on. Yeah, once in a while. I'm happy to keep his seat warm, you know, for, yeah, yeah. for a little bit. And uh, it nice. was great. it was great doing this one. And, um Let's see. I guess I got to get some housekeeping through. Uh, Rotowire.com slash try for a 10-day trial. Uh, no strings attached. No credit card. Nothing like that. Um, you know, check out Chris has got uh, content up on the site. He's got a mashup where he talks uh, four different uh, 
four different DFS sites and, and offers different plays here. Uh, like, for example, Bilal Muhammad, you know, stuffing all those takedowns and being a good play on FanDuel. I like how we take that, uh, um, you know, from all sorts of different directions because there's different ways to play on all of these sites here. And, of course, he's got a betting column. We've got another betting column. John's got his DraftKings preview. We introduced the new column uh, with, with Drake, a guy that's starting off with us, uh, you know, focusing on, on some of the earlier fights and, and doing profiles there. So uh, we're trying to fire up a ton of content for you guys, and, and thank you very much for sticking with us here. And thank you, you guys, for doing this show, you know, for – Jeez, we're getting on three, four years now. It's been uh, yeah. it's been a heck of a run, and uh, always love tuning. This is this is part of my Saturday morning routine. Always listening to you guys and and getting those takes before I can uh, you know fire up what I'm going to play for that night. So I really appreciate it. Any closing thoughts with you guys? Uh, no, I I think I think uh, we said it all. Just uh, you know, gonna enjoy the fights and uh, hope to hope to be unique enough to uh, get to the top of the mountain in some of these contests. Yeah, I mean, 14 fights, I think this is a good card to spread. Yeah. If you're playing mass entry, I, I get it. Everybody has different bankrolls. But, like, if there was a card to spread um, in GPPs with a $200,000 first prize, you know, this is a card to spread. Yeah, yeah, right on. So uh, it's going to be a great uh, great night of fights, and uh, we'll be back in another month. But, hey, thanks to everybody that tuned in, and uh, best of luck with your lineups, with your bets, with everything. Thank you. Peace. Thanks, everybody. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.